Welcome to Get in the Ring with DJ D Coops and D Smut on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome to Get in the Ring on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. I am your host, DJ D. Kooks. I'm talking it old school here. <laughs> yes. I am Beast Mike. Uh, I guess uh, I am this week calling from suburban Philadelphia. Uh, I'm going to be back in D.C. tomorrow. Uh, but yes, it is a very nice uh, night here. Spring is finally kind of coming into play. Uh, the Flyers winning earlier tonight really made things really nice, but we got some wrestling to get to. There, there was some chippiness in the, and some fighting in that game, too. But uh, There was some chippiness, obviously, in the ring, so where shall we begin? What's your WrestleMania <coughs> weekend show name? Well, that's where we'll begin. Okay. So I sent Beast Mike this in the Skype chat because everybody has an irony WrestleMania show now. Uh-huh. And we might as well create our own. So Beast Mike? Where is uh It's at the bottom. I'm it's not seeing photo. 10.02 p.m. No, it's just call. Yeah, that's not saying... Uh, that's not here. Oh, uh, I'll send it to you via Facebook. Yeah, that, that's not here. But what, but what is, what is your, your name? <clears throat> My show name? Let me, let me send it to you via Twitter, because this is... This is riveting. For, right first now. off, where did this even come from? Where, where does this even originate from? So... so you know how Joey Janela's spring break happened. Yes. You know how everybody started to copy all the Joey Janela's spring break. Mm-hmm. Um, now we start have Effie's Big Gay Brunch. And some of the uh, some of the shows this year are ridiculous. Okay. You have the BDSM show. You mm-hmm. have... The Big Game Brunch, you have Joey Ryan's Penis Party. Mm-hmm. I just sent it to you via Twitter. So, okay. let's see. So, it is your name, which in my case is Strong Style, and then last initial. So, you have to say your full name. Okay. And then- your name correlates with. You have to say Michael A's. Okay. And then whatever correlates with your f- 
first name D. So M A. Okay, so my and your birth month. Okay, whatever correlates with your birth month. Ah, okay, I see how this goes. So let's see. So mine is Michael A's strong style. Let's see. And my last name is A. So strong style, all inclusive shit show. That is wild. That is wild. Wow, that is wild. All right, and yours is Danny K's. Walmart, of course it's Walmart. <laughs> you got Walmart. You got Stan Kroenke on it. You got Stan Kroenke on the case. Um, Walmart. Walmart. All right. Big sexy. And I think you got your birthday is March, Jamboree. right? Jamboree. Jamboree. So That's you have the uh, strong style. All inclusive. That, that is wild. At least it's all inclusive. <laughs> it's all yeah, everybody's invited, I guess. I guess it's equal opportunity, I suppose. It's a shit show, at least. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it, but it, it's it's a there's a lot to this. Okay, so your name, last initial, birth month. I I see how this goes now. It, it, it's that's creative. All right, it'll work. Because your WrestleMania weekend show name. This is the most creative thing that could come out of this. <laughs> As ironically, this Sunday is the final pay per view before WrestleMania for the. Uh, oh, I totally Oscar. forgot that Elimination Chamber is happening this ironically, Sunday. It's, 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 ironically, it's it's ironically at the Wells Fargo Center, home of the currently hottest team in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Philly's gonna host the elimination. Oh, I'm gonna get my birthday money this Saturday, so I can swing by getting tickets real cheap. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, tickets will probably still be pretty pretty uh, dirt cheap. Um, We're actually going to look to StubHub right now to look at said prices of tickets for. I know they've been selling them for low as twenty five dollars, but I'm on. Let's see, Elimination Chamber. All right, so Elimination Chamber right now. Let me see SeatGeek. Is he looking on SeatGeek? I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at StubHub, and because I up. have a referral code code on SeatGeek, yeah, yeah. That gave me twenty dollars off, so I can yeah, yeah. pay five dollars instead mm-hmm. of the. Uh, so the, you know our friend urinating tree. Well, there there are several people who have them actually. There there are several people who have uh, those codes. Where you can get twenty dollars off your first purchase. So the cheapest ticket in the building. Urinating tree because. Right. Or five points. Or five points, or draft Nick Martin. There's a lot of them, honestly. So, including the fees uh, on StubHub, cheapest ticket in the building is $53, which is, which is not that $46? I thought it would be a lot cheaper. That, now, is that with the code or without them? That's before the code. Before the code. All right. So, on StubHub, the, the cheapest ticket here at, with fees, $68.09. That's not terrible. 68090 with, with four fees. Oh, it's all right. So it's not that big a difference. Okay. With fees, $83. Oh, with, oh guess $4. Oh, yeah. So, so StubHub is actually much cheaper. <laughs> so, yeah. So StubHub is much. So, where,
I have a buy lowest. I have a buy lowest value, lowest price. Um, so. sixty-five. Okay, that's not too bad. Obviously, the key is to get a view where you can actually see kind of the whole stage plus the chamber itself, and oh, like yeah. you, so so you want to so that yeah, that's the the views. Some of them are. Eh, this one's not bad. Two ten's not bad. Two ten's a good seat. Two oh nine's a pretty good seat. Two twenty three. Yeah, two twenty three is kind of like you got an obstructed Terrible. view. That's an obstructed view. You, you don't want that. Like you'd want to see like two oh nine's fine. Two ten is fine. Two fourteen is fine because that's that's like on the TV side of the building, but you can see everything. Uh, two ten is cool. You could probably still get in the building. Sure. No, no, no. The, the, uh, the, you can tickets at the door are like $25, and you'll probably end up paying like 30 something um, at, the, at the door. And you can still, you know. Yeah. So yeah, you, you still see everything. So it, it's perfectly fine. So my, let, my let, brothers went to the Battleground pay review where they had the Punjabi present match. Which basically, the Battleground pay review <laughs> after. After the New Day versus Usos match, the, the pay-per-view fell flat on his face and and did not get up. No. Basically, it was it was Xavier Woods getting the, the part where Woodsy got kicked, super kicked. The, the difference is he they the pay-per-view did not get up. Unlike Woodsy, who totally got up. Uh, this pay-per-view has that potential. <laughs> I'm just saying. This this could. <sighs> This could the tag the tag team chamber could be good. I don't the women's chamber. I don't really have much faith in. Uh, Alistair versus AJ running it back. I think that'll be a fine match. And, and then everything and the Street Profits versus Buddy and Seth. They're gonna run it back. That's fine. But yeah, I think the, the tag chamber is gonna be good. And I think wow, what closes the show? Because you don't have a world title. You know, neither world title is at stake. So what closes the, the problem here? What what closes the show? What what's the, the women? The, the, the close the ugh. that could be a train wreck. I don't think I like that women's chamber. I don't like the women's chamber really to start with. Because you set up Shayna Becky. Because because yeah, you, you tipped your hand when, when Shayna bit Becky. You tipped your hand. That's the type of thing you have Shayna do after elimination chamber, not before. I think you tipped your hand. You really don't. You have no hook with Charlotte and Rhea. You have no hook with Brock and Drew. You have no hook. You know, I love with it. Their, their segment on Raw. I love how I love how that went. You have no. Let's hook talk with about Gold- SmackDown because Goldberg's like great. <laughs> Goldberg. I arrived. love that Goldberg got booed. I, I love that that Goldberg got booed, and pretty much everyone took like a lot of the took my side in this and thinking that Bray losing the title was a horrible idea. I, I love that Goldberg. I got thought booed. it was a good idea. I, I know, I know, I know you did. We'll get to Bray later, but uh, Goldberg got booed heavy, and this is, and then at least the Roman. They set up the Cena match was shit, utter shit. So yeah, to kind of make Cena sympathetic, and then Bray, and we'll, we'll get to that at the end. But uh, yeah, the way, I, I think that could have been... this company sets up matches now. It's just utter shit. They they, they did not set. I, I just throw up my hands now and I say, I give up. I would rather just I would rather just have I'm Bray. More, I'm more invested in AEW anyway, so I know you are. Uh, personally, I would rather just have seen a, a Bray attack Cena. To tell the truth, I'd it's a rather... parody of wrestling at this point. I'd, I'd rather just have Bray attack Cena. I I really I wish they would have just gone that route. 
and then Cena be out for revenge the following week. But Bray needs to beat Cena. Let, let, let's let's make the, let's get that out of the way right out the gate. Bray needs to no. beat Cena. No. Yeah, he does. He, he, he no, uh, no, no, no. They need to kill this fiend thing. Dead. Dead. It needs to be dead. It Bray never... Wyatt needs to be dead. <laughs> he said Bray Wyatt needs to be dead. I I, I completely disagree. I think they, they need to they need to unbury the they need to undo the damage they did at WrestleMania 30. That, that's I, I completely disagree here. But uh but let's no John Cena show... should be wrestling Elias. That's my fucking thing. The problem the is that Elias got screwed out of that match. That's true. That should have happened all. last year. That should have happened last year. 100%. I agree. Elias John Cena back got back screwed year. out of that match, and I, I'm pissed. So back in back years, Cena should have probably fought Elias. I, I will buy. I will buy that. So, but uh, but, those, but those are those two pay per views. Those sorry. are those two WrestleManias. No, I should have got a, a profile match. He should have got a, a high profile match at WrestleMania 34 or 35. Either one against Cena would have been fine. I get it. Yeah, Cena fight Taker. Uh, kind of get squashed by Taker. Okay, I get it. But at least last year, he probably should have fought Elias. Okay, so the Goldberg Reigns match was pretty obviously set up. And then and Reigns is like, he's nuts. <laughs> it, they it, didn't it even was, do a men's chamber. It, ha it, ha. Yeah, I'm it laughing was, my ass off. It was super bye, cheesy. Bye. Um, I, I don't even want to review this show. It was, it, it was super cheesy. It was, the, it was incredibly cheesy. I, this show was cheesy as fuck. It, it, was, it was super cheesy. This whole show is just cheesy as fuck. They're doing a three-on-one handicap match for a singles belt. I'm, I'm like... For, 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 against Strowman. Uh, they're going to have three geeks running around with the Intercontinental Championship. You know this. Three so years ago, <sighs> when, when Shinsuke signed, you, you would have thought... Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn Cesaro in the stable would have been like three ass kickers, not yes. three bumbling geeks. You can't what? find anything else for Sami Zayn besides. That's yeah. That's a problem. That's a. I, I agree. That's a problem. That, that's a fucking crime. That's a huge problem. With I'm the, trying not to get up because I don't want to wake up my um. But. No, that, that part, that's a problem. But, the the but fact that Sammy... Crime. The fact that Sammy is... I'm sorry. They, they disrespected fucking Sammy crime. hard. They're, they're disrespecting Sammy Zayn hard. Uh, in Sammy Zayn's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah. I'm sorry. And um, it is, and there's another one who I, I would consider in that in that peer group that's getting disrespected, but we'll get to that on Raw. Cesaro. Well, no, I, said, well, um, I, was, I was referring to Ricochet, but we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm gonna bury that shit hard because you have to lose a Riddick fucking Moss. That, that's, that's Let's get so, to that right fucking now. Yeah, because really, the, the main the main things the main things you you, you saw on Moss on fucking Raw. Fuck that. The, 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 the disrespect. What the fuck are you doing? The disrespect. Okay, win the fucking Universal Title from Brock. What the we fuck? Knew that, we, we knew that wasn't going. Yeah, we knew that wasn't going to happen. The fucking. Riddick Moss on Raw. What are you doing? He was fucking doing well in New Japan. Fucking going flippy dudes with Will Ospreay. He didn't he need WWE. Stuff. He didn't need the shit. Nope. So, he, he, he was he was killing it in NXT too. He was NXT. He was killing it. Having have great matches with Velveteen Dream and Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole. He was killing it in he NXT. He doesn't need this company. <laughs> I, no, I, I was trying to make the point of he didn't need this company. So, okay. the fact that he came here it was a blessing for them. He was doing well in the Indies. Mm-hmm. Making money. 
Mm-hmm. Coming out flips. with coming out with classics. Yeah, yeah. Coming out with classics. You would be killing it in the in the heavyweight division in New Japan right now. Yeah, it would be. Because he's marketable. He would be great. With Will Ospreay and Shingo and Zack mm-hmm. Sabre Jr. Are you fucking kidding me? In New Japan right now? And you have you have Ricochet losing to Rick fucking Moss? Rick Moss. Rick fucking Moss. Can't no, this was so bad. Ricochet's ass. When Rick, it comes to Rick Moss, Rick Moss is nowhere near the peer group of Ricochet, and you got him, you got Ricochet losing to him in a. Tw- We're breaking yeah. the uh, explicit barrier. No, we we knew that was coming. This it's so. That's just so bad. This is so. It just so bad. the show so badly when yeah. you had a good match with with the uh, Street Profits and Seth Rollins and Murphy, which and was glad, very I'm gold. glad Street Profits won the titles, too. I, I, I wish it would have happened. The Brock segment was okay. I, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. I thought they did that part. You had a shitty-ass segment with the club and the uh, AJ Styles and Alistair yeah. Black. You That was utter shit. The, the Riot Squad segment was utter shit. I wish they would have cut the to the middle Chase section of this show... They don't have three hours to fucking fill. No, they don't. It's they a two-hour show that they three hours to fucking fill. And this is my problem with this show every fucking week. Mm. I, I can't watch this show. I refuse to watch this show. This was this is a two-hour. It was a two-hour show that they, they had three hours of time to fill. I think this was a. This, this was not not a good look. My blood. The yeah, Raven Sierra Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade and then Angel Gaza match is fucking what's fucking fire. Mm-hmm. And then you had four segments that were good. The middle section of the show was absolute dog shit. Eric Rowan re- revealing his fucking spider. Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? Even though it got my boy Wrecking Ball Ligurski on TV mm. as one of Noe Jose's geeks. Okay. As an extra, got him a payday. Nice. You know. Good luck. You know. I I I know that stuff gets people paid and whatnot, but I, I can't feel sympathetic to that shit. I'm sorry. Uh, that's our raw review this week. <laughs> I, I, I want to get to AEW because the, I'm the, 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 the only other thing. The only other thing that you did not cover was Randy Orton's fire segment with Beth Phoenix, and that that absolutely was was an excellent segment. Orton's back. Promo is not like the greatest promo of all time. No, but it was a better tra- promo than Orton tonight. But, but Randy did an excellent promo. Uh, did the excellent segment with Beth Phoenix. He's clearly back in his own nine heel bag. And we knew the RKO was coming to to Beth. It was just a matter of time. And everybody I, was I, so I, shocked. I, I think everybody yeah, sees I, it on indie fucking wrestling every week with intergender wrestling. So shut your fucking faces with your awe and shock that WWE did a or oh, somebody somebody clipped together all the women of Orton's RKO'd in the past. You knew this was he's been RKO'd one for fifteen years off and on. You knew this was coming. Come on, people, stop playing with us. You knew an RKO or Beth Phoenix was coming as soon as they put Beth on the marquee. 
That was a layup. It doesn't matter how fast. Chris Jericho knocked out Shawn Michaels' wife for real. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, when Jericho, cut, when Jericho popped her in the face. When Jericho punched her in the face. When Jericho actually cold cocked her? Yeah, actually legitimately punched her in the face. So, uh, SummerSlam 08. He, he was yeah. going. He, he was absolutely going for Sean, but Sean ducked, and then Rebecca got clapped right in the face. Legitimately got punched in the face. Yeah. He didn't mean to do it. He absolutely meant to hit Sean, but the but Sean ducked. Sean's timing was uh, just got the better. It was unfortunately used pro- uh, improperly there. Let's just wrap up with this. That was GG. Do I even want to go to this show? Do I want to take my money for AEW tickets in the Here, to keep it a buck? The only matches I'm super excited for on this chamber pay per view are the tag elimination chamber because I think that's gonna have a lot, of, know a lot of spots. AEW's in coming in April, and now it's their AJ. To, to keep it a buck, those coming in April and AEW in April is gonna be fire. I'm not. I'm not even gonna on like the twenty second, and I know that will be fire. Mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna dispute that AEW in April is gonna be fire. But I'm, I'm saying like the, the only two matches. So here's the problem: there's there's no world titles. There's no world title stuff. There's no Char- there's no Charlotte Rhea Bianca. There's no. There's barely gonna be Becky, unless Becky jumps Shane after the chamber match. There's no Becky. Like you, you really don't have any hooks here. You, you really don't have many hooks in this pay per view. Like it, it seems like a filler pay per view. Um, like, like the the true definition of a filler pay per view with a couple uh, a, a couple of chamber matches that'll bring a bunch of spots in. I would rather. So I hope this does well. I want this to do well. I just don't have doubt. I just don't have any feeling that it will do well. Is what I'm saying about this chamber pay per view coming up. Yeah, they got five weeks to they got five weeks to make it hot for WrestleMania. Good luck, boys. You're going to need it. That's not including NXT because NXT is going to be fine on its own. But but the main Raw and SmackDown, you got five weeks to make it hot. All right, so you want to do AEW before NXT, or which which do you want to do first? We didn't even watch NXT, so we're going to Revolution. This is true. All right, so let's kick it to AEW. And... Let's go to NXT first because mm-hmm. give the quick results because our listeners always deserve that. This is true. So NXT. You look up the results because I got, it, I got it, I got it. So to to start the show, this was a dual cage match uh, theme of NXT where the ladies have one and then the men have one. First, yeah, the, the ladies, uh, Tegan versus Dakota, kind of running it back from uh, from Takeover Portland, and started off with this cage. Uh, the the crowd was, was digging it with both women here. Uh, the pace kind of slowed down a little bit with New Zealand native uh, took uh, basically Dakota took uh, control and started to beat up Tegan, and before Tegan came back, and then uh, Kai kind of tried to go to momentum and whip her into the cage. When the when the match returned from the break, the tide turned again. Dakota Kai won. Yeah, this was uh, I'm just, ultimately I'm just it was saying the results. Chelsea Green won. Because Gonzalez saved the day. Saved the day for Dakota. Chelsea Green won her match. NXT is just not an interesting show to me. You know. 
It's just it's just not an interesting show to me. You know what I mean? I get what you're saying. And it's I, just I get so bland in front of this audience. You think part H-W of this is feels so fresh? So you think, new. I, you think that's part of the reason why you're so into AEW and so out of, on WWE because AEW is just so new. It's a new perspective. I think that's I think that's part of the reason why of your of your optimism of AEW is because because it's just so new and fresh and it's a different perspective on wrestling as opposed to the same things that you've kind of been exposed to with WWE over the years. And it's also booked by different people. Ooh. Yes, it's it different mindsets who they they think who do think differently from. Really, Vince, but who think differently from Vince and Triple H? I, I get also, that. it's just tiring to think they're going to change and then they don't change. When you, you've seen AEW change on a consistent AW, basis, AEW does adapt. AEW, as so far, Done a significantly better they job got of adapting. rid of ideas. Yeah. They have gotten uh, rid of ideas. I.e., that women's crew I, that everyone I, hated. Nightmare Collective. Nightmare Collective. Obviously, Dark Order's still in play, but it's nowhere near as much as it used to be. But, but yes. The, the, like, not, like, Dark Order's not even a nuisance anymore. No, it's not. Because like, they're not shoving it down your throat. I as much as I used to. Like, they're not shoving it down your throat either. So I, I think that's part of it's it. It's not shoved down our throats like a mid-card act. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like the main event act like, that we thought it would be. Right. Look, I didn't know that Brett is butter with everything MJF is doing, the, everything Inner Circle is doing, and then Moxley, and then Cody. You, you, have, your four, you have your four main pieces, and then now Pac is going to jo- join the Pac and Orange Cassidy at five and six. Now you have six main pieces here. And then Omega and the Bucks. So, you know, you have, you have even more made pieces. They, they, that, they're giving you I, all that kind I'm, of stuff. I'm also concerned that if they got a Japan affiliate, it's going to be more of the same shit. What, what D. Cooks is, is, is referring to is uh, Japan's higher-ups from all Japan are going to make a trip to the Performance Center in Orlando in May to talk to WWE officials and potentially do a merger, all Japan and WWE, which could steam, which could streamline the way to NXT Japan. Now, there are probably some players involved here that would be very beneficial on the Japan on the all Japan side. That would be that would be really good for the exposure. And I but think we're not the people to talk about it because we're yeah. as in depth. Right. On all Japan for wrestling. But Drew Nakayama's gonna do it as guest coach and mm-hmm. um I um I'm just like I'm just like If it's in Triple H's hands, I think it can work. If it's in Vince's hands, it's I think it's a problem. Because I don't trust Triple H. Hmm, okay. Because NXT it's the same primary colors. It's the same shaky camera shots. It's the same. You think NXT can stand to not be in full sale every week? I do. I think no. NXT... It would. It would. It would. It. It wouldn't even change if it was wasn't at full sale. 
Maybe mm. energy you got would. I think that's. I, I, I think that's part of it. I mean, NXT feeds off energy. I mean, they they're 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 crowd. NXT shows seem to feed off the energy of the audience. I think it would really benefit if it weren't. AEW feeds off their crowd so much. Um, I'm just gonna say this right now. I just think NXT's not an interesting. Mm. I just think my disinterest in it is just because. They don't cycle out like they used to. No one graduates. No one leaves. That point is true. It has been. They, 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 haven't had, they, haven't they haven't had. had they haven't had the signature call ups since when? What, last WrestleMania? Was and last and they don't cycle in like the uh, Larger Loop talent like they should. They don't. It, like, WWE doesn't even do this with the main roster. And but, but, but I think part of that's because NXT has become a third brand. Yes. I think and, that's part and, of it. And th- this is where my philosophy lies, and this is where AEW's philosophy lies, is they can take a break. Joe Janela can be off TV for two weeks. Mm-hmm. They can take Jericho off TV for one week. They can take Kenny Omega off TV for one week. You have enough people to supplement that and counter that. Fight. Um, I thought Jericho would be off TV this week. I did too. I, I thought Jericho would come. I, I would have thought Jericho would have came back swinging the follow uh, next week and came back swinging at my like, let, let Moxley have a celebration. Cody off TV, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get, I get you. They, you know, they've cycled in and out. They've taken Moxley off TV. They've taken Pac off TV. They've mm-hmm. taken now a Rose off TV. For a period of time. I think part of this... It's not like... It's not like they have to shoehorn everybody on the show. And... I think part of what WWE... I think part of what NXT had to do that is... It's burnout. They do have to get ready for the takeover. And to make sure everyone's got as much time exposure and and build up as humanly possible for takeover. And they have which, to which is why which why for example this week oh, the only thing they did was have Ballard cut a promo or cut a, cut a vignette cut a video. Like Ballard wasn't on like in the ring or anything with takeover or the with NXT this week. And I expect I expect him to be there next week time. after Walter and, Ma- and Mastiff. And then they have to give everybody time, which stretches out the show for three hours and. I hate that. Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara was five minutes of total match time. Was, was, was a speed was basically a speed run. Which basically was a speed run. Some matches don't need to be thirty minute epic. And the NXT takeover style has worn out on me. Um which is another point that mm-hmm. Voice of the Wrestling has made so eloquently. I I disagree. I think that's, I think that's I the agree. point of it. I agree with their um style. The the takeover style has worn out on me. Um, um, the epic like stage production of oh this has to be an epic struggle. Like one two kick out one two kick out every fucking match. Like every fucking match, like it doesn't need to be that. I just want a simple wrestled match sometimes. And we look at NXT Takeover Portland, for instance. 
you had fucking Lee Dijakovic had to be that because there, there are previous matches that, that had Kovic, to be. but it was the opening match. It was an epic. It's tsunami, Dakota it's Kai to get knocked. You had you had like Dakota Kai fucking. Yeah, Diga knocks, dig off the the knee brace, and it was fucking. It had to be this epic thing, and it was only 13 minutes, but it felt like 20. You had Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano, and all Johnny Gargano matches are melodramatic. Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, even though it was 13 minutes, felt like 20. Not to me. Uh, I thought, I thought yeah, that, that felt like 20 minutes. Oh God! I'll, I'll give you Gargano Ballad. I'll give you Gargano Ballad because I thought that match did drag for. The for only while. match that didn't drag for me was the tag. And then Cold Jump. Oh God! I think that, that one. That one had. That one had to. That one had to last a while too because that the was a circle. Never... That was a fucking circle jerk. It's too masturbatory for me. Obviously, we're covering this from two different views. Uh, it's 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 pretty obvious. Like I, I get why they had to have the story had the story the it, way they did. It's too masturbatory for me, and I get you have to be masturbatory in some senses. Like in the war games matches, you have to be masturbatory. You, you, yeah, you, you like you have to you have to let the story play out. But 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 there's times where you can have short matches. Um, like the Finn Balor Matt Riddle match. Was perfect for that. Um, you look at the Toronto match, the Cole Gargano, two out of three, four, 46 minutes. Um, Obviously, only, setting up for the big finish of that rivalry. So I get only, why they did you that. You only but I think the first, it, think the first fall was a little that. too long. I think the first fall was too long. Uh, and, and I think they, they, I think they, they did that a bit too long. I agree on the first fall. I thought the second fall was fine. I thought the, first, the third fall was fine. I think the first fall well, of the NXT takeover matches. Um, especially like not the tag matches, but the singles match. The recent singles matches have been bleeding in. The main event style have ble- bled in to the uh, women's and into the uh, and and it's turned me off. It was during this Portland show where I'm like, am I really enjoying this? Is this really that good? It was just this Portland show that really hmm. I was questioning it. That, that, that really just like, it really just, what what part of the Portland show really like threw you off? Was, was it was it Gargano, was it Gargano Balor? I think we it, both agreed. It that was Gargano Balor. It God, was Gargano Balor. Because we both agreed that the first half of that match was pretty and, boring. And Dakota Kai Tegan Knox was very good until the end. Until the finish, right. We both, we both um, agreed at the end, until the and finish. And that threw me off. And then Balor Gargano was like... The first half was boring. Way too masturbatory for me. The first half was boring, but the second half actually... The second half kicked it up pretty well. Once they got the Gargano's pace, I thought the second half of the match was actually good. The first half, well, the, well, they kicked the Balor. It was ultramatic bullshit. To, uh, the, they, they, I think they tried too hard and, and didn't do enough to really make that match interesting. But I've seen it. I've seen it enough in some of the NXT style where, where, in some of like, it's hard to give an example. Like, 
like the the main event especially mm-hmm. like they're dense they are dense matches but I think they have to be because of the stories they tell but not every one of them have to be that well the other matches on the card yeah no, the, the other matches on the everyone card... You know, I remember when takeovers used to have squash matches. True. And they've lost that. But I think part of that's because of their success. Part of that is because of their success, but but it, it just sucks because I look at the early takeovers and what made them great. What you had a, you had at least one class a on tight the, on, two on hours. The early ones. And it was a solid. You look at Unstoppable. I, I'm just giving you a. Example. I just picked a random takeover. Okay. 1130, 1551, 715, 850, 1533, 13 minutes. Yeah. Basically, what you're saying here. Easier to digest. It's not too much, and you think everyone gets everything in that's necessary. Yes. So. Clearly, you want the KISS method when it comes to what WWE is doing, and they're being incredibly complex, and I think you think they're trying too hard. With these takeovers, sometimes I I, I, I appreciate the effort put into these long matches. Don't get me wrong. I It's an inner struggle for me. Clearly, it is. It is an initial because I, I and and the voices of wrestling podcast have talked about this. It's hard to call these matches good when you hate them on the inside. Mm-hmm. I would never go back and watch Adam Cole Tommaso Ciampa again. I would never. I didn't like the ending, but I probably would, I I've gone back to watch it. I would it, never. Probably, I would I'd never go back and watch it later on. Looking, looking at, I would watch the Brooklyn, I would watch TakeOver New York again. Absolutely. Because um, the, the story, I love this story. And some, I, of the, I get, some of the uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa matches I would never watch again. I'd watch Chicago, and I've gone back to watch Chicago again. I'd watch Chicago again, I'd watch New Orleans again. Brooklyn, Brooklyn maybe. I, I did watch it again recently, but I'm not going to make it a habit to do that. I'd absolutely watch Chicago. Over. I think the pinnacle of that NXT style was the unsanctioned match between Gargano and Ciampa. And the fact that they're going to do another Gargano and Ciampa series is really going to grind. That's, that's unnecessary to me. That's yeah. it's unnecessary. And they're going to do another dense, long feud with these dense matches that. And you know Cole and Velveteen are going to have a dance long match. And Finn and Bel- ba- Walter are going to have a dance long match. So those are three matches right there. So that card is going to be structured like the Portland card. Probably. We're going to have six matches. The latter and, match, I and think, three of those matches dense. are dance long matches. And I'm going to... 
sit there and I'm going to feel tired by the end and I'm not going to want to watch wrestling the next day. The ladder match, I think, has to be dense because you you, you got ladders. No, you, no, ladder match is not dense to me. Okay. Ladder match is just people beating each other up with ladders. I'm talking about the three singles matches. The three, the three ladder ones. Of Cole Velveteen, of Balor Walter, and of... Well... I think Cole Velveteen has to be somewhat because of Adam Cole is probably going to break the record for NXT, for the NXT championship longest reign. And the, the, the struggle of Velveteen trying to get that title on WrestleMania weekend, I think, I think has to be. Plus I think it's going to be, I honestly think undisputed era is going, is going to go to raw. I, I, I hope they go to raw after this takeover, uh, Tampa. And I, I think, think the best the proper way to call out. I think the tag matches have been the what people are going to. They've had the best at. pace. I will. I will give them that. They've had the best pace. They they definitely had the best pace of all their takeover matches. The tag matches over the last few takeovers have had the best pacing. That's totally yeah. true. I I just don't like the. <laughs> it is. I I don't think you understand, but you understand. <laughs> I know, I get what you're saying, that you wish the stories were a little quicker to the point, but I, but I, but I kind of disagree in the I, sense of, I like I like the stories being told, and like the, the way that they built it, like I like it having the, these different twists and turns, and then, fin- and then give me a good finish. If like, I was so, I guess invested so, in these stories, would I care? No. But I'm not as invested in these characters because I fucking hate Tommaso Ciampa's guts. <laughs> he he's better. Tommaso Ciampa. He's better as a heel. He, he's he's far Tommaso better as a heel. Tommaso Ciampa is a whiny ass baby face. He he's far better as a heel. He, he just he just feel he looks better. He feels better. He flows better as the greatest sports entertainer of all time. He he, he flows better as a heel. As this psychotic heel, as this psychotic evil heel who who would do everything it took to keep the title, he he just feels better as a heel to me, and I hope eventually he does turn heel again. But he just feels better as a heel. He he does. Anyway, to kind of speed run through the rest of NXT uh, this week, Chelsea Green, as uh, Dekoots mentioned before, before this tangent, uh, beat Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, Let's see here. Fish and O'Reilly beat Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, and they're going to get another shot. I'd like to see that match. Week. Yeah, they, they, they have good matches against each other. They really do. Um, Swerve and I say uh, Austin Theory. Uh, Austin Theory beats Isaiah Swerve Scott. The more Austin Theory, the better. I really like him. He's got a serious future in NXT. Let's have more Austin Theory stuff. Uh, let's see here. And then Velveteen versus Roddy to close the show in the cage. Roddy beat Velveteen via escape, but obviously part of that was Undisputed Era. Uh, helping the cause, but ultimately, it, and, and the, the signature part of it being Adam Cole got locked in the cage with Velveteen alone, which allowed Adam Cole to get beat up by Velveteen and clearly setting up uh, Cole and Dream for the NXT Championship in Tampa. I'm all for Velveteen winning the title. I need to see that. But that's effectively NXT. Roddy gets his revenge, but, Cole, but Velveteen Dream gets the last laugh. Now let's switch it. Now let's kick it to AEW. And, and, and I'll tell you the difference between an NXT match and and the match because there's a different type of density between the match 
the Cole and Ciampa match and the match that Hangman Page and Omega and the Bucks had. I'll tell you. All right, so let, let's kick let's kick it with AEW highlights Revolution. from Revolution in Chi Town. This was a really good pay per view. There's, there's, no, there's no other way to say it. This was a really good pay per view from start to finish. Meltzer said he saw the best tag he ever saw. <laughs> this is a match of the year, Kevin. Oh. I don't know if it's best tag ever. Um. Oh, we have to get the Observer Awards because yes, because. They, they, did, they did drop. They did drop today. Hopefully, hopefully somebody posted them on a site that. They did, they did drop today. This is true. They did drop. But, yeah, but, a, but AEW was it was absolute was was. Or they might be late. <laughs> well, it was it was kind of fire. So, Dark Order beats SCU in the in the pre in the pre show match. So they kind of. Trying to sum it up a little bit. Evil Uno clothesline of Sky from behind, allowing uh, Stu Grayson to score the pinfall. Uh, this is a pretty solid, pretty decent tag match uh, here. Kind of the buy-in, the buy-in match before everything uh, kind of got popping. It started quickly with a brawl before the bell rang. SCU asked Christopher Daniels to stay in the back, playing into the rumors of him being Dark Order's leader. And Dark Order managed to eke out SCU for the dub. Uh, Dark Order, including the Creepers, attacked SCU before Coca Bandit's music hit. And a veteran Chicago indie star ran in to make the save before numbers overwhelmed Cabana. Chris Daniels then attacked to make the save there, coming out in a robe, pretending to be the exalted one. Post-match antics were better than the match itself, more than likely. Cole Cabana, yes, has signed with AEW, as, as pretty much indicated there. But that was the pre-show. Now we can get to the main stuff, and we start with Jake Hager's in-ring debut, Against Dustin Rhodes, a pretty productive yeah. match. Amazing how this was a uh... oh the Wrestling Observer Awards will be out on Thursday. Okay. We'll comment on so them. We'll deal, we'll deal with that next week. We'll cover that next week. But but Hager being Dustin via submission, the two quickly took to took the brawl to the crowd and around ringside, which I think makes sense. Clearly following up on how the brawl happened last Wednesday. Rose looked for revenge after Hager broke his arm, focused on his own offense on Hager's left arm and shoulder. Obviously, the disrespect uh, of Hager. Hager kissed his wife uh, before the match, and then Rhodes kissed uh, Hager's wife during the match. Oh, the disrespect. Uh, before Reigns did the same, while going for gaining the upper hand, Hager had a, had a convincing near fall with a gut wrench powerbomb. Rhodes clapped back uh, minutes later with a coat red, and then after Hager couldn't get the win with an ankle lock, he delivered a low blow behind the ref's back, followed it up with a uh, locking a standing arm triangle choke to put Rose to sleep and went via submission. Not a bad I opener. I gave this two and three quarters. Yeah, not, not, a, not a bad opener. Pro- probably a... Uh, I, I like the but I liked how this here. sort of escalates... This card sort of escalated it's, in pace. It's a good build. It's a The match, that was a good way to start the show. So I think two and three quarters is a fair, a fair rating. Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara was... No, then they hyped for blood and guts. Yeah. First reaction... What was your first reaction to the name blood and guts being... Mm, There's going to be a death match in this this pay-per-view, isn't there? It's war games, essentially. All right, cool. 
Inner Circle, Inner Circle brings their four or five best versus Mox and whatever four to five. Obviously, Darby Allen's going to be involved, but whatever uh, crew he can come up with, all right, let's let's go with it. That's fine. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara. There is there was a little insanity before. This match was full speed ahead. For, pretty much, it was on site between these two. When when Alan and Guevara first locked eyes, it was on site. It, it, it was full mass chaos from start to finish. These these are two young studs who are gonna gonna kill it for a decade. It would seem in AEW. I think that these these is just the beginning of these two battling each other. Alan rolled the skateboard to the ring before yep. Guevara uh, taking Guevara out at ringside with with the tope ahead of the opening bell to get things cracking early. Alan then came in seconds of inches of injury. Uh, with another tope attempt, dra- draped over the ringside. Yeah, he he missed, and boy did he miss! As his feet tripped the ropes, he he drove uh, Allen through a table with the with the six thirty. That was a beautiful six thirty from the top to to the outside. All this before the match officially started. Before Allen stepped back during the match, the the bout didn't get uh officially started after the six thirty. But Allen managed to climb back into the ring. The match didn't slow any further from there because that's just the way that Allen and Guevara have it. With great impact moves from both dudes, but ultimately Allen got the win with the coffin drop and a nearly a really good showcase from the two dudes. I would probably go four stars for this because this was I, I love how yeah. fast paced these two guys go and it, their chemistry was instant instantaneous for me. I go solid four. I go solid three and three quarters. Okay. Then we get the match of the night and a match of the year uh, candidate with. Here's the difference. Hangman. Here's the difference to what I complained about in NXT. Okay, let's talk about Uh, it. Let's let's talk about it. Let's go over the match first. Okay. There's a lot. There's a lot to to happen here. Then, so bear with me. Uh, Let's see. Things got heated early with with the elite members during the match with Paige spitting at Matt Jackson's face and then getting super aggressive with Omega. Um, The Bucks seem to have enough of a. Enough of Paige's nonsense early on, which eventually turned on the brothers, getting progressively more aggressive towards Omega. As things got heated, the Bucks ended up hitting Paige with an indie taker on the entrance ramp. And Paige, with Paige out of the picture, after the after the huge move there, the Bucks laid in the Omega with super kicks before hitting the golden trigger and then more super kicks. Clearly, Death by Super Kicks was, was on the menu for Kenny. Omega somehow kicked out of this, and Matt began working on Omega's injured shoulder because of the... the Incredible Iron Man match with Pac. Nuts. This this match got wild pretty much from that point on. Nick stepped in and told his brother to calm down and attacking their friend. Paige made his way back into the match, driving Nick through a table, and hit the buckshot trigger combo for the the near fall. Somehow, I can't believe they kicked out. I can't believe Matt kicked out of that, of the buckshot buckshot trigger. Paige then hit a one-winged angel. Well, because Omega Omega couldn't do it, so Paige did it instead, and, and, and there was a kick out there. Uh, that's actually uh, Nick made the save. And then finally a buckshot lariat uh, to finish the deal uh, on both uh, Bucks to pin and retain the titles. After this, and obviously the story of this uh, was, was really, really good with Matt Jackson not being able at times to kind of finish the job and kind of deliver more offense and how Hangman's part in this and how the Bucks, how Hangman and Kenny played really good in terms of the tag team chemistry, and they, they really came together nicely. And they teased. And, and they, they teased the turn. They teased so many turns uh, of heel turns, either from Hangman and Kenny 
throughout the entire match, and then the Bucks even uh, throughout the entire match. But nobody turned with anybody, and nobody turned heel or anything. And Hank that's why super this over. is so smart because on NXT they would have pulled the trigger on a turn they right pulled away. The they would have pulled yeah. the trigger on a turn right away. They would have did something to hot shot an angle. They would have pulled on your heartstrings right away. Um, and they, they would have Hangman Buckshot Kenny, and then the Bucks win the titles. I, I absolutely Bucks believe win. that would have happened. Yeah. I absolutely believe. I, I, I thought that's the way they were, the route they were gonna go. But see, this would have been a lot slower of a match, and it would have dragged on a lot, like five minutes longer than it needed to be. And and um, the difference between this and NXT, and and this is where I, I'm glad this match came up in 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 the context of when we're talking about NXT. Um, is this match was all action. It really was. Jump. This it match really was. was all action, all high spots, mm-hmm. great action. There was, there, was great dra- there was great drama involved here. Great there, drama. The story great was great. Callbacks. Very reminiscent of, if you watch back from the, uh, from the uh, Bucks and Golden Lovers match. Yeah, okay. Um, great callbacks from that. I remember that. Um, um, they did some callbacks from that. They did callbacks to Marty. They did callbacks to some stuff earlier in AEW. They get callbacks to their careers. They, they are so smart as pro wrestlers mm-hmm. that they think their fans are smart. And WWE doesn't treat their fans as they think they're smart. So, this is why I like this type of wrestling. Because... Basically, so, so what you're saying here is like what the Bucks, Kenny, and Hangman, what they kind of did is it kind of made you, oh, you guys got to do, you think you know what's coming. Let's see, let's see you guys, if you guys did your homework and, and you can remember this spot here and this spot here and this and spot here. And sort of like what Okada and Tanahashi do. And yeah, okay. What... What the best Okada and Omega did, and, um, um... It kind of makes you do your homework. It kind of makes you do your homework, and, and it makes you think as a fan, and Mm -hmm. it rewards the fan. And WWE never rewards the fan for making you think. They'll reward for the payoff, but they don't reward you on the way there. It doesn't uh, I'll, I'll give I will give you that. They they, they will it reward, reward you for the small nuggets you get. Right. And they, they'll get they'll get you in the end. They will they will reward you in the end. But on the but way But it's there, so rare that they reward you in the end because because it took them kicking and screaming to reward you in the end. I.e. Kofi and Daniel Bryan. I.e. Kofi and Daniel Bryan, and it took them many years to reward you in the end. So they don't really want to reward you in the end. These guys want to reward you, and they want to reward you as you get there. Um, and they are so s- smart in how they do it. Um, and this match never dragged. This it didn't. This match really didn't. I will. It's a hundred percent true. This uh, is thirty and, minutes and, and twenty seconds. This felt like fifteen. 
And I will, and part of that I think is because these four guys don't have styles that allow you to drag a match. I think the, these four guys are built to go 100 miles an hour with with, with their match styles and their match templates. Yes, Kenny has been uh, Kenny and Hangman especially have uh, shown like they build up, build up, and then once they're like comfortable in a groove, then let's go. But they, there's they I think took this at the Bucks pace of it's go. Once the bell rings, it's go time. And and just, just the fact that they know each other, I think, is, is also what played into this. Yes. Is they know each other so well, and like they obviously they travel the roads in Japan, and then obviously AEW now, like they know each other from the back, like the back of their hands. So I think this was built to go that far because these four know each other and know that all four guys, all the other three guys in the matches are capable of going that far. So that's that's just what made this special. Yes, five hey, stars. Easy. Five stars. Yeah, absolutely five stars. Easy. That's what I'm saying. This is a match of the year candidate. So basically, we've got Kenny may maybe have had two matches match of the year candidates in the la- in the span of four days, because he had the match of Pop too, yeah. which was which was incredible. So Kenny might have had two in a four day span and won them both. So that that's that's impressive, Kenny Omega. Um, kind of a cool down match here. Tatlander put that. <laughs> Someone had to be in this role. Yeah. Sorry. I, I don't envy these two this women. This was the least belt match, so mm-hmm. you could say that. This was an okay match. Yeah. No, nothing special. It, it's not the, the D that CBS is giving it, but it, it's it's nothing special. Um, Nyla, I think, should have a long reign with this title just because of her power. And simply because they, they really, I don't think, that's one thing AEW hasn't done is build up many women. On the roster, except for Nia, Nyla, and uh, and Britt Baker, they they're building they they've done really well with, especially with her on the microphone. I think they just need to build up more women, uh, before they could really step to Ni- to Nyla and try to take the title from her. Until then, I think Nyla should have a long run, just crushing through all the entire division. And mm-hmm. then this this is Nyla's first step in doing so. I think that was a, that was a smart move to make. Probably two star, but nothing that special. I don't think it's their fault. They just had to follow a classic. And then MJF and Cody, which is which is I mentioned last week, the match I was most looking forward to. I enjoyed it. I, you know what happened? They kind of did a little bit of what we were both suggesting. Was an actual match where I thought Cody would get the get the payoff and finally finish the deal. And there were parts where Cody made MJF suffer, and I thought that was perfectly fine. But it did kind of what you what you would suggest yeah. was MJF kind of doing the, the shady stuff, getting Warlord involved, kind of ducking and hiding, kind of trying to avoid Cody at all costs. Which is the best of both worlds. It yes. really was. That's what I'm saying. It was and, a and, and, bit overbooked to my yes, liking. Probably was. Um, I, but I still gave it three and three quarters. Um, Still a very good match. And, and, and MJF getting the cheap win with the ring. So I, I think they, they did, I think what they, what both of us would have suggested was an actual match where Cody looks like he, he's, he's getting his measure of revenge, especially with, with the back-to-back crossroads. And look like he was going to finish the deal. But they did what you would have suggested because MJF gets the cheap win. So it keeps the story going. It, it keeps the flow going until the Blood and Guts pay-per-view they're going to have, I think. And that's where the ultimate payoff needs to happen. No. So, and they're not going to keep it going for right now. Yeah, you, you probably they are probably better off going their separate ways and then bringing it back at the and then bringing it back. But I, I like the way this played out. MGF getting a signature win. That's perfectly fine. Clearly setting up MGF for the future. 
because he he's got an incredibly bright future in his in, in this in this company because he's an excellent heel. And I honestly want to see more Wardlow stuff. And eventually, those two fight for the tag titles. I think would be perfectly fine by me, Wardlow and, and MJF, because Wardlow's got a serious future in, in AEW. Next up, Orange Cassidy. This was fun. Yeah, this was fun. <laughs> There's no way to say this. This was fun. They started with, with, with Orange Cassidy's kind of hilarious uh, style and nature with, with, the, with, the, mini, with the, the shin kicks. The F1 passes over, which, which is great. And then Orange Cassidy actually tried against Pac, and I thought it was, that was, it was funny. It was, it was different, and it was nice to see Orange Cassidy do his thing and, and not just do funny stuff. It, this was fun. This, 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 this was just a generally entertaining match, uh, I, I will say. I'll probably go three and three quarters for this and four for Cody MJF, but this, this was a, a pretty entertaining match from start to finish. Pac gets it done. I went three and a half. Pac gets it done, and, Park get, and then Pac wins with the submission, uh, with the Rings of Saturn uh, submission there, but ultimately this was a fun match. There's another way to say it. The champion, Chris Jericho. First, first of all, Jericho taking us to church. I enjoyed, I enjoyed, the, I enjoyed the, the, the spectacle that Jericho brought to this. With the choir and, and, and taking taking us to church with with his song and, and Judas with Judas in my mind everybody was singing to that love that second the match itself was good the match itself was good I, I thought I thought the match was entertaining I thought this it was, was very good yeah classic yeah, world title match it, it felt it felt more entertaining than the Ambrose Jericho matches that were in WWE honestly to me I, I just felt more entertained by it I just felt better about the story here. And I just thought the flow of it, and I think the Ortiz and Santana involvement, I thought was solid. I thought it was it was uh, it played a pretty good part in this deal, and I think it was, it was I think it was timed pretty well in, in that regard as well. I like the hustle job that Moxley did, where he could have seen he could have seen all along, and kind of outsmarted Jericho in the end. But I I think that was nice. And then the paradigm shifts back to back for Mox to win the title, and it's a hilarious promo afterwards. But I think it was done. I think this was done pretty well. So probably four and a, four and a quarter for me. This is a pretty this is a pretty uh, properly done match. Jericho had an, had a really good run as champion, uh, putting AEW on. He didn't really go wrong with he had, he had a really good run. The, yeah, he had a really good run there. So I think it was it was solid. But Mox was coming in way too hot. So. Mox was he came in way too hot and did his thing. So Mox is the new world champion. Let's see what he can do with the title. I'm perfectly okay with it. So I think it was all in all a very good show. Uh, Revolution uh, was was really really good from start to finish. Had the match of the year. It had a couple other really good matches and stories that go with it. Yeah. Dynamite. So how do they follow that up? John Moxley speaks. Um, I I miss most of this because I was getting ready. I was getting some stuff ready. They did a pro- opening promo for I um Jericho. The gist was um John Moxley was like thanking everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, said he loves the belt, stuff like that. Um, stuff like that. Um, Jericho comes out. Um, they made, um, they made, um, the Inner Circle into a hit squad. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they he called they he called Mark a Pharisee, a cheater, and called the fans liars as well. And he said he'll he'll he hasn't basically an um I don't know. Sorry. It's set up. It's it seems like it's set up the show properly as an enraged Jericho is out for blood and revenge, and anyone that crosses Jericho catches a beating from the inner circle. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. That that's that's what <laughs> that's it sounds like. That's what I was trying like. to say, and I was like. I was like, it's eleven seventeen at night, guys. Um, <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't think of the words to say, but, uh, but that, that's what it that's what it sounds like to, to me is that Jericho was out for revenge and clearly was pissed about losing the title, and it's basically anyone who crosses Jericho catches a beating from three, four, or even five or six dudes. Um, Banner and SCU versus the Dark Order of Igor Uno, Stu Grayson, John. And John Silver and Alex Reynolds. This was a good little opener. Mm-hmm. Um, Cabana and SEU defeat the Dark Order in 10:25. Good fun opener. Dark Order fails to to te- failing as they continue to tease the Exalted One. And post match, Evil Uno said this wasn't supposed to be this way when the Exalted One will arrives. Heads will roll. Britt Baker arrives to join commentary. Yeah, he really didn't have Britt Baker the last week or so. But Britt Baker continuing to do what she does because Britt Baker... She brought Tony Starbucks. Britt Baker is pretty savage. Dr. Baker is pretty savage and continues to do as such. Big Swole won the match against Bates. Big Swole is one that I like uh, going forward. I think Big Swole is going to have a very good future in AEW. She's got a whole lot of talent. I think she's kind of uh, like she's. I don't think she's as good as Bianca Belair, but I think she's their version of, of her. And I think she's very productive in that role. Yeah. You got highlights of Cody defeating MJF? No, no MJF won, won that match. We got highlights of MJF defeating Cody. My bad. <laughs> I have weird memories. Um, then we get Cody arriving. Cody says he's lost to MJF. You get to work on a pay-per-view. When you win, you get a bonus. It's professional. It became personal. And then it's professional again. He calls out MJF. He, and he said he wants to be, he wants him to say he beat him fair and square. And then Jake Roberts arrives. And he said it's taken him 20 years to get him clean and sober and right. And he's earned this. And he said he will take. He said he will come to AEW, and once it, their roots take control, and the Phoenix will rise from the ashes, he won't be a nice boy and, and play nice. Um, and he has a guy coming for Cody. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. So Jake the Snake's got a hitman coming for Cody, is what you're saying. Yep. Hmm. All right, different layer. I like it. Interesting. So Jake the Snake has a manager. That that is definitely 
That's going to be interesting. Yeah, because he, he's, he as, we all, as, as we know, A, Jake the Snake can talk, and B, he's an excellent psychologist. He's absolutely outstanding when it comes to psycho- in-ring psychology. Uh, I think he'll be able to coach somebody up real nice. I think it's going to be Brody Lee, a.k.a. Ooh, Harper. That would be That would be nice. That would be very interesting. Or Lance Archer. Lance Archer, I think well, Archer kind of sticks out to me, but I think either either scenario would be good. Pac versus Chuck Taylor, good match. Um, Moonsault misses, Brutalizer finishes it. So Pac wins the match, but the story gets deeper after that because uh, Orange Orange Cassidy was so really th- this got deep. Uh, after this, uh, there was a, a chuck into Falcon Arrow, obviously the near fall, as you mentioned at the end of the match. Uh, after the match, Trent and Cassidy came into the ring, and Cassidy gets in the face of Pac, because clearly they might run it back. Suddenly, the Lucha Bros come in, come running to the ring, and they jump Cassidy and Trent with Pac helping out, helping the cause. And then this turns into a crew. Pac grabs a mic and says, "There's a new. they are the death triangle. Ain't nobody safe. In, in short, Pac and the Lucha Bros are a crew. The talent involved with these three is ridiculous. The six-man tags these three are going to have going forward are going to be yes. amazing. Like, I'm looking forward to combinations of those two and, and, and Jurassic Express. Obviously, Best Friends and, and Orange Cassidy is going gonna, is gonna to be a dope six-man uh, I'm looking forward to so many six-man combos with Death Triangle involved. So, QT Marshall versus Jake Hager, quick squash. Mm-hmm. Hager, uh, Hager puts in work. Post-match, they all brawl. Mm-hmm. The, the Inner Circle attack. Um, part of the hit, man. The, uh, part of the, the hit that they put out pretty much on the whole roster. Ortiz, Hager, and Santana, they beat on Jackson, Cody, and Dustin, but Jackson would be mad. Hangman would come for the save, Buckshot, Larry, and Hager, and then... Fl- and then he flips off Matt and then dips. <laughs> he, he flipped off Matt and then, and then rolled. And, and exit stage right. But Jericho's night wasn't done, as Jericho and Sammy Guevara in the main event uh, ended up battling Moxley and Darby Allin, their opponents from Revolution. And it was Jericho and Guevara, but before the match began, uh, Moxley obviously was the main target of the hit. Oh, the we hit have squad. to talk about the MJF promo. Oh, next, yeah. Next week, it's Ortiz versus Cody. Death Triangle in action. MJF, Butcher and the Blade versus Jurassic Express. And plus the rules for blood and guts. That's what they're calling mm. the game. Interesting. That's going to be pretty good. Um, MJF is pinning the shoulder... To the mats and and banging rats, he beat Cody and went from protege to master. His legacy will read the greatest champion in the history of wrestling. And you heard me, Jonathan Moxley. I will win gold and will beat anyone to do so. He will remain undefeated. And because he's better than you, and has a shirt that on that says "I pinned Cody," it's quite. Distracting, almost like the neck tattoo. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, you knew MJF was gonna gloat. You, you knew it was coming. 
it was just a matter of how how hard he was going to do it. And it's clear that he's setting his sights on Moxley. Is MJF ready for the title? Probably not. Not the world title, at least, anyway. But is MJF ready to contend for it? Absolutely, he is. He's the best heel talker. I think he would be a really... I mean, and that's saying something with Jericho involved here. But he's 1-1A with Chris. And I think that he's going to be really good coming after <laughs> Moxley. Then we get to the main event. Speaking of Mox, uh, <coughs> he and Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho. Um, before the match even began, as Moxley does his traditional crowd entrance, Moxley got jumped by Santana or, and Ortiz. And the, and the Inner Circle crew, uh, uh, Hager was involved, Guevara was involved, Hager was involved as well. And they beat up Mox in the, in the atrium uh before he could even get out there to the ring area. And basically leaving it a two-on-one between Allen, uh, with Darby Allen versus Jericho and Guevara. Allen tried. He tried his hardest. He, he put up a fight. He really did. As hard as Mox tried doing it, as hard as Mox would try to get involved, <laughs> he simply couldn't. And Jericho... So the good news is Darby Allen is fearless and he went for a tope to the floor. The bad news is Jericho's seen counters like this and probably seen them in his sleep and caught him with a devastating Judas effect to basically put the kibosh on anything Darby Allen had planned for the evening. Unless it was sleep and getting a pillow and a blanket, which Darby Allen promptly went to sleep. So... Needless to say, as Randy Orton puts out a video of him RKOing Jake the Snake Roberts, which is actually hilarious on his on his Twitter. But uh, but yes, Dar- Darby got put to sleep by a Judas effect. Jericho, needless to say, got the pin, and this led to the Hit Squad, known as the Inner Circle, uh, continuing to do more damage. They celebrate after the match, but uh, Moxley tried to storm the ring with a chair, and he taught he. Toss it at Hager, and it knocks Santana and Ortiz to the outside before hitting Sammy Guevara with a paradigm shift. Moxie staring is staring them down. Where Hager hits him from behind. Santana, Ortiz, and Jericho then jump Moxley. It's a four-on-one situation and drag him up the ramp. Hager then chokes him out, puts him to sleep, and then they drag him over to the side of the stage and basically hit a triple power bomb, shield bomb, if you will, off the stage to a table. And inner circle gave him the finger to finish the deal, to finish the show. That's effectively AEW. A very good follow-up to a really good pay-per-view of Revolution. Sports ball. <laughs> Flyers are rolling right now. Uh, we I beat watched... the Caps! We beat the Caps! Second time in the last three, in two and a half weeks, or three and a half weeks, that the Flyers have schooled the Caps in uh, D.C. Unlike the 7-2 performance last time, the Capitals actually scored first in this game and the Flyers got looked like they had a goal by Travis Konechny uh, towards the end of the first period on a power play, but didn't get it. Konechny, the hockey gods would see this and promptly give the goal to Konechny uh, moments later to make it a one, a one all game. The last, the latter 40 minutes of this game were all Flyers effectively. They scored three in the second period and absolutely dominated the tenor of play in said period. Uh, swarming and sending shots at Braden Holpe constantly. It was a firing squad at Braden Holpe. Uh, three of them went in the back of the net, including the the play of the game. 
being a beautiful feed by Derek Grant, who literally backheeled the puck to Kevin Hayes on a wide open net for a tap in. Uh, backheeled the puck with a skate, I should say. But the Flyers were tremendous uh, once again in the second period. The Capitals did get one at the end of it, but it was 3 2. McShea still, <clears throat> still has you guys taking Toa. Which uh, I fully expect us to do that. We'll get to that in, in a little bit. Um, the third period, Flyers continued to do their thing, sending shots at Braden Holtby. Ivan Provorov made it 4 2. They got another goal. I believe it was, it was Law in who scored the fifth one, who made it 5 2. That was the final. But the Flyers um, getting it done once again, seven straight win. Uh, but it was not all good. Jameson Reamsdyke broke his hand in the first period of the game. He'll be out for the foreseeable future, which basically means Joe Farabee is going to come back up. Um, pro, yeah, so not everything was great. We, we did, unfortunately, have to deal with that. <clears throat> and the Flyers are now one point behind the Washington Capitals for the lead in the division, which effectively would be the two seed in the Eastern Conference. This is at this is the night after Boston beat Tampa Bay in Tampa. It was a really good game. <clears throat> as the Bruins beat the Lightning. They're gonna run it back later on this weekend in Boston. But the Flyers win five to two. They're now a point out in an Eastern Conference that's certainly becoming four alphas in the East of Boston, Tampa from the Atlantic, Washington and the Flyers from the Metro. Maybe Pittsburgh is probably the fifth best team in the East. They have 82 points. They have the fifth most points in the East. But really, your, your alphas in the Met, in the Eastern Conference are the Bruins, the Lightning, and then the Capitals and Flyers are, are your four alphas in there. Flyers won three yeah, out of four against the Capitals. Milwaukee already clinched a playoff spot. Who's what? Milwaukee already clinched a playoff spot. This is the NBA he's talking about. Yes, the Bucks have clinched a playoff spot for the last. They, they clinched a spot basically like three weeks ago. They they've been that dominant. Milwaukee, the Bucks are 53 and nine. They'd have to run the table to go 70 to equal the Warriors' record, but I don't think they're worried about that. Uh, Milwaukee's got a showdown with the Lakers coming up this weekend too. I believe on Friday night at Staples, Bucks Lakers, best in the East versus best in the West, and then the Lakers get the Clippers, who have the, the second best record in the West, on Sunday. So the Lakers' weekend is going to be very busy. Uh, that's a Clippers home game, by the way, uh, the, the Laker Clipper game. But yeah, Milwaukee's going to face the uh, Lakers on Friday and what's going to be a really nice game, a really big game, right? A good game right there. Uh, I don't think Milwaukee's going to get caught for the one seed, but it's at least going to be entertaining to see Braun versus Giannis, versus Giannis uh, and to the Kupo uh, battle each other. That should be a fun game. We saw yesterday A.J. Boye got traded from the Jaguars to the Broncos for a fourth-round pick. Uh, so as the mass exodus of Jaguars, uh, the mass exodus of Saxonville continues. And Yannick Ndokwe got franchised, but he wants no parts. I don't blame him, quite honestly. They're trying to trade Nick Foles. People in Philly are bugging, and they want Nick Foles back. No. Eagles, Eagles apparently want Byron. Yeah, you're an Eagles fan. That's, 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 that's tell the people. You, you don't want Nick Foles. You immediately said no. Um, the I'm definitely... because we have our franchise quarterback. Okay. Do you... Get rid of Alshon Jeffrey, eat that $26 million dead cap hit that comes with it. Yes. Ooh, okay. All right. I would what, think... do we trade trade Alshon Jeffrey for Nick Foles? What the fuck? No, 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 no. Do you trade Alshon Jeffrey in general? No, I'm not, I'm not saying do you, uh, do you trade it for Foles. No, you know, that would be dumb. But do you, because that's 
double cap hits. Uh, so it's like, what do you like? How do you deal with Alshon Jeffrey? Is the question because that's a massive cap hit if he's not on your team, uh, no, not an Eagle. Uh, this this know. coming season, that's a major major situation there. I don't know. So that's there's, there's a lot happening there. There's there's rumors everywhere about the Dolphins uh, about they want Tua, do they want Herbert, do they want just Jordan Love. Uh, do, are they going after Patriots free agents? I read that earlier tonight. Of uh, like going after Devin McCourty and, and a couple other dudes from New England, which I think are absolutely in play here. Because uh, New England Patriots free agents seem to go to where Patriots, ex-Patriots uh, coordinators are coaching. That means the Lions and the Giants are looking at y'all. We're going to be going after Patriots, too. I fully expect it. Avi Stafford exodus. Detroit's not going to get rid of him. Detroit, that's that's 30-plus million of dead cat money. There's no point in getting rid of him. There's no way he's not a Lion next year. The year after? Possibly. But there's no way he's not a Lion uh, next year. I, I just don't. That would be dumb. That would be fiscally irresponsible for the Lions. I mean, granted, they're the Lions. But that would be physically irresponsible to do that. So I, I just don't see it. Brady to the Lions? Apparently, people are thinking that's a real thing. That Brady could go to the Lions and maybe even Jimmy G coming to New England in, a, in a, some sort of deal. Which, that would be wild. After that massive contract they, they, the Niners signed him to? Yeah, I, re- I read that like earlier tonight um, as well. That Brady to the Lions is a potential real thing. 49ers. The 49ers, let's say. The Brady to the 49ers is a potential real thing. And because the, and the Titans and Patriots are apparently 1-1-A in this situation. Uh, they're the two teams that uh, have the most likely opportunity to sign Brady. But the Niners are going to try. Because of the Brady connection? Because of the Brady connection, which a lot of people, which some people are arguing, isn't this tampering? Yeah, it probably is. And the Patriots. And then there's the Niners because Brady's from the Bay Area. So a lot of people are thinking, oh, maybe the Niners are a five. And I think that's also a possibility. I ultimately think the best fit for him would be the LA Chargers. But I think it's, a, it's very possible that Brady could end up a Lion or a Titan. So I, I could totally see that. Brady just starts on the 18th. That's going to be a fun, that's gonna gonna be be a fun three days. Of tampering, the legal tampering period, and then the and then the free agency starting. That's going to be a fun three or four days. How you shake out his option exercise, so he'll be staying in San Francisco. Really good fullback. Russell Okung got traded to the Panthers uh, for. What did he get traded for? Uh, he got traded for. Yes, yeah, so he is. He got traded for Panthers offensive lineman. I know that. I'm trying to remember his name, but yeah, but Russell Okung got traded from Seattle to Carolina. That happened earlier today. As well, so we're already getting some stuff happening uh, here. Here's, here's the deal: so uh, Russell Okung got traded for uh, Trey Turner in a straight up one one for one swap. But the NFL's kicking up; we're you're kicking in the high gear, and there's going to be a lot of crazy things happening over the next three weeks. McShay's top or, ten, real quick. You want to hear McShay's top ten? Yeah, let's go. It. Bengals, Burrow, obvious. Redskins, Young. Obvious again. Lions, Okuda. Makes a lot of sense. If I were Detroit, the guy I would pick is Isaiah Simmons. Giants, Isaiah Simmons. Giants did the smart thing by, by doing what Detroit didn't do. And I get why Detroit's doing it, because the thought of Darius Slayton not being a Lion after this year makes a lot of sense. Tua, Miami. 
I think he will go to the Dolphins, no matter whether it's at five or at three. I don't know, but I think he does. He ends up a Dolphin, uh, regardless. Jordan Love to the Chargers. If they lose out. This is the first surprise. I expected Herbert to be the pick here, but this is the first surprise. And Tom McShay asserts that Utah State's Jordan Love will be picked ahead of Justin Herbert. He's been on that train for a lot. Um. Carolina Panthers, Derek Brown. He makes a lot of sense. They they don't have a run stuffer. I think him pairing him with Brian Burns makes a whole lot of sense. I think this this would be a pretty solid move. Cardinals, Mackay Batten. He's a big uh he's got I think a lot of boomer bust potential of uh, the four elite tackles in this draft. I think he's the biggest boomer bust. I, I love his size and he can move. And I think that would be a really good tackles fit. here. Yeah, that'd be he'd be a really good fit for to protect Kyler Murray. I get why this is done. Jaguars Wirfs. Tristan Wirfs, okay. Tristan Wirfs is a he's got the potential to move to guard and be excellent at guard from, from everything I've been reading. I think he's a very good player, and I think this would really help out. Apparently, Gardner Minshew is a the guy they're going to go with, so I, he would help out Gardner Minshew immensely. Um, ten Browns Wills. Judge Wells from Alabama. Now, he would help out Baker Mayfield tremendously. Cleveland is still a mess, but an offensive line is part of the reason why Baker regressed last season. So, I think this would make a whole lot of sense for Cleveland we'll to make this pick. First because yeah, I, I can probably fill in, like, gaps and stuff for this. So. Yes. Judy. Jerry Judy? Okay. I think, is Robbie Anderson going to price, is going to outbid himself, outprice himself for the Jets? That's an interesting question to me. Robbie Anderson, I think, is the number two receiver. I don't I don't think he's a one, but I think he's an excellent two. Jerry Judy to me has the number one receiver written all over him. I think he's the best receiver in this draft, and he runs routes outstandingly well. The Jets he's do need to get a tackle. I wouldn't be surprised to see if the Jets go offensive line. I think they need to go offensive tackle too. I didn't need to go the offensive line to try to help Sam Darnold and get rid of his own yips. I don't think Darnold's a good of a QB, but to save him, you need to get an offensive line in front of him. Las Vegas, CD Lamb. Interesting. You get Raiders got a lot of they have a lot of guys who would be really good on as a depth depth pieces, but they don't have true stars on their team. I think CeeDee Lamb could be a star receiver if the right quarterback is throwing him the football. I'm not if, sure if Derek if Carr is Judy the guy. Fell, Ju- if Judy fell, Judy would have been the pick. I I I can understand Oakland taking a receiver. They need help a linebacker too, but I think they can do that with their second pick. I think CeeDee Lamb makes a whole lot of sense. Justin Herbert. Herbert falling to the Colts, I think, is a really good look. And as long as Andy keeps Anthony Costanzo, I think that and would be... if they be... don't fuck up, if they if their management don't fuck up Justin Herbert... They don't have the same management. Um, Ryan Grigson was t- was complete trash, but Chris Ballard has come in and saved, them, and saved the Colts. Chris Ballard's a really good GM. He, he okay. won't make the same mistakes Ryan, Ryan Grigson did. Buccaneers, DeAndre Swift. Interesting. This is the highest I've heard DeAndre Swift mocked. I've heard in almost every mock I've seen, he's a Dolphin. This is an interesting pick to me. Tampa Bay, I think their biggest problem is offensive line. And there's one elite offensive lineman left in Andrew Thomas. I'm a little surprised he's not the pick here. I think Tampa Bay needs to make sure their offensive line is intact and in place. And or help that miserable defense last year. Tampa Bay with with an average defense. Tampa Bay with an average defense, and James Winston throwing 10 less picks in the playoff team. 15, Tampa, 
I mean, Denver Broncos, Henry Ruggs III. This has been a match I've seen uh, for a while now of Henry Ruggs going to Denver to help out Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton and Dejon Hamilton and what's becoming a pretty good, sneaky good offense at Denver's building. Uh, I think the defense needs to get a little bit younger around Von Miller, but I think what Denver has is good. They need to continue to build that pass rush to help Von Miller out and make sure he can get Pat Mahomes because that's the end game. Can you A, score enough, and B, stop Kansas City? Um, Atlanta. Clavion Chasen. Now, this has been a because, – because they're releasing Vic Beasley – this makes a lot of sense. I think AJ Epinesa would have been better. Kenwall and Cole Komet here. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, defensive line is the move. Uh, you're, you're releasing Vic Beasley. I think Tarek McKinley can use some help. I, I think I thought I would have thought AJ Epinesa would have been the move here, but I get why you're doing this. I think this makes a whole lot of sense uh, to get some help and try to make sure you can get home to Breeze and whoever Carolina's QB is going to be, whether it's Cam Newton or anyone else. Or get home to deal with with Jameis, and you gotta have a pass rush in the NFC South. You gotta have you gotta have a pass rush in the NFC South. I think Atlanta's doing a good idea, a good job here. Cowboys, Xavier McKinney. They need a safety. They definitely do need a safety badly. And I think Xavier McKinley, the guy, the safety I love the most in this draft is Antoine Winfield Jr., but he's a second round pick. I think Xavier McKinley's the first round pick, and I think he could really ball. Him and Grant Delpit are going to fight for whoever is the first safety off the board. And, I say, and if either went to Dallas, it wouldn't shock me. Your boy, C.J. Henderson. Corner from Florida, I think is a good corner. I think him with Xavier Howard would make a whole lot of sense. To me, I think Miami's bigger. Miami needs to get an offensive lineman. And with Andrew Thomas still on the board, that would have been the pick for me. Kenwall. Kenwall, Las Vegas. Helps out the defensive line immensely. Oakland needs help on defense on all three levels of the game. Uh, I would expect Patrick Queen to me. Patrick Queen would be a guy I I would highly consider in this spot here if I were Oakland. But uh, because considering his range, they need somebody that can cover, uh, especially Travis Kelsey. But I I understand why you're going Kinlaw. It's really good value. Kinlaw's a top ten pick, and if he falls to nineteen in this mock, love it. Um, Blacklock to Jacksonville. Now that's a that's a pretty good pick to to rebuild that defense. Uh, they're gonna lose a lot in the next couple of years. Jacksonville will off that dominant defense that happened a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't think Ndokwe is gonna be a, a Jaguar for too much longer. Uh, he, he's just I think he's gonna command a decent value on the trade market. And they've already lost Boye, and they've already obviously traded Ramsey. This is obviously the, the Rams pick. Uh, Trevion Diggs is a little surprised isn't the pick though for Jacksonville. They do need the, they're going to need the corner to replace Ramsey and that boy A. Justin Jefferson for the Eagles. I like it. The Eagles need receivers. They need healthy bodies first off, but they need receivers as well. And we found the gem in Greg Ward. We found a gem. Now, as long as he as Justin Jefferson, I think he's a good receiver. As long as to me, as long I, as I Greg he, Ward is healthy. Greg Ward is fine. I think he and Jefferson could be decent together. And honestly, I think the receiver I would have taken here is T. Higgins. But I, I understand Jefferson. He goes to the Bills. He goes that's to the Bills. I think that's a smart move for Buffalo. I, I, think, I think Higgins is the better receiver. I really do think Higgins is 6'4 frame. Uh, I think he would really help out Carson and would go get jump balls. And I think he, he would go make things happen. But instead, he helps out Josh Allen go get jump balls. Wentz is obviously the better passer of the two. 
I think Hill would do more help for Allen than he would for Wentz. Buffalo make it with a smart move. AJ Espinenza to the New England Patriots. This is a pretty solid move. I think New England's going to lose some free agents this offseason. I think Calvin Oy is going to get paid. And New England's pass rushing was pretty terrible, even with Calvin Oy. This would be a smart decision for New England to get some pass rushing help. They need it ASAP. Brandon Ayuk to Saints. This is a smart decision. To me, it was either this or go get a corner. This is a smart decision for New Orleans simply because you need people to help Michael Thomas. The Saints already have a good offensive line. They already they have the QB of the future to me and Taysom Hill. I think Hill could be a good QB. Uh, they obviously have Mike Thomas now with Camara holding it down uh, the skill positions. They need some help for, for Mike Thomas on the outside. I think this would be a pretty good move. Trayvon Diggs joins his brother. He joins his brother. And I think that's a, that's a pretty good move there. Minnesota could use some corner help. Um, the, the Vikings, I think, have one more legit shot. Oh, that's before they have to... brother. Yes, he is. Yep, he's, he's Stephon Diggs' his brother. So Minnesota drafts his brother, and it'd be kind of weird if they if they drafted uh, Diggs and then traded Stephon Diggs. That that would be kind of weird. I don't think they're going to trade Stephon Diggs. Trevon Diggs, I think, will help how about the corner situation, and I think this Minnesota last about... real shot. In the, yeah. Obviously, be good chemistry with us, bro. I think this is Minnesota's last real shot before they have to really, really consider the quarterback situation. This is Kirk Cousins' final year of his deal, and we'll see what Minnesota is after this year. Josh Jones, Miami. All right, you got some offensive line help. He pro- now he'll probably have to play. If it's considering it's Tua, he should probably play the left tackle spot. If I'm the Dolphins. I'm preparing with offensive linemen at least two in free agency. If one of the two were Jack Conklin, I'd be very happy. Or I think Conklin would be the right, he'd be the right tackle with the thought of being Tua being the pick. I think that would be a very smart decision to do that. So ideally, if, if my situation, the way I had this playing out works, where Miami gets Conklin and then you can draft a rookie to play left tackle, I think that perfectly works fine. Keep in mind, two is left-handed. The right tackle is the blind spot. So I think that would make a whole lot of sense. 27, a Penn Stater. Yeter Gross Matos. Now, this is a good pick for me. Seattle's pass rush was not good this past off, this past season. Then you put him, and I think Seattle is going to try to keep Jadavian Clowney. If I were them, I would. You put those two together as a pass rush, I like it. I think it's a good mix. It's a good combination. YGM's got a lot of raw talent. The keyboard is talent. Why'd you have him get to the QB? I think he's going to be good with Seattle. I think he and um, Jadavian Clowney would make a good duo. Um, 28, Patrick Queen. To help out a really good defense. Baltimore isn't even in their final form yet, and they went 14-2 and last year. Baltimore can get even better than what they were, and it will absolutely be a Super Bowl contender for the next three or four years, as long as Lamar Jackson is vertical and upright and able to do what he does. This is a very good move for the Ravens. 29, Tennessee, Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas, this is a steal for Tennessee. The fact that he slips this far. And, and you wanted him at 20. I wanted him at 18. And I, I think that's, that's a steal that Andrew Thomas slips this far. I think people are jumping the gun too much, and I think are nitpicking his whatever flaws he may have. I think Andrew Thomas is a really good tackle. And he, I, of the four elite tackles I mentioned earlier, I've, I'm the most sure on him compared to the others. I think he's the best of the four. I really do. And I think this is a steal. Tennessee gets him at 29. 
where they, they, they're going to have to, they're going to lose somebody, whether it's Tannehill, Henry, or Conklin, especially, they're going to lose one of those three at least. I think it's the most likely they lose Conklin. I think they'll keep Henry, and we'll see what happens with Tannehill, whether they get him or Brady. But I think they're going to lose Conklin, and this will be a very good replacement. 30, Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is screaming for help. He gets help in the form of a Penn Stater. Wide receiver. KJ Hamler is an excellent speed uh, slot position receiver. I think you brought you him knew in the slot. I was going with this one. <laughs> you, you knew, and I, and I can explain this quite well. KJ Hamler is a really good slot receiver in the NFL. You put him in the middle, you got Devontae Adams. Devontae and, Adams. And, and, and St. Brown on the other side here, or, or uh, Valdez Scoutling as well. I think I think KJ Hamler really brings the dynamic to this to the Packers offense that they desperately need. Somebody over the middle with speed and some fearlessness. KJ yeah, could take a hit. Not using Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage. No, I, I think I think Hamler would be a really good fit for the Packers offense. That's a good move. 49ers. Oh my God, you're getting better. Grant Delpit. He shows up the safety role now. He, now obviously the big knock on him is tackling. Can he improve it? I think he will. I like what the Niners have on defense as it is already. And this Niners team is just getting started. They're all young and they're all hungry. They're going to have to pay everyone, especially. Their first test is Eric Armstead. But the Niners have a real good shot to be around for a, there for quite a bit. This, the Niners are only just begun. And now the champions. Uh, now the champions. Let me see. Oh, sorry. I I clicked out of it for a second to see where Cole Komet was going. Um, Makabuki from LSU. No, then Makabuki from Texas A&M. Now the champions they're really Kenson's gonna have to improve on yeah, Kenson's gonna have to improve on defense. I think that would be a wise decision to go defense here. Kind of helps Why did out, I say LSU? It kinda helps out Frank Clark and the defensive line, Chris Jones as well. He he helps the situation out there. I think that's a wise decision. I would like to see Kansas City kind of focus a little bit more in terms of the cornerback spot or the linebacker spot here. Kind of, I, I'm surprised Murray got out of this draft. I got got out of, the linebacker from Oklahoma, uh, Kenneth Murray. I'm a little shocked he got out of this first round. I think he would have been the pick for me if I were the Chiefs. But I do, I think Kansas City is going to focus on defense, and they got they got to put some youth in this lineup somewhere because you know Mahomes is going to get paid an astronomical amount of money. So that they're going to have to have some cheaper Someone had us getting. KJ Ham- Justin Jefferson and KJ Hamler. You know what? I don't mind that. And here's why. The Eagles need receivers. Do you trust Nelson Aguilar going forward? Not really. No. Do, you, do, you, do you trust Alison Jeffrey at all in that locker room? Absolutely not. Uh, Deshaun Jackson can't stay healthy. The Eagles, Eagles are basically water. a mass unit. E- Eagles are a mass unit. I wouldn't get both of them because you also have a precedent at corner. And where does the the Eagles want Byron <laughs> Jones? But 
you're gonna have to pay Byron Jones probably a good seventeen million dollars. Right. Is he worth is he worth that to you? That's an interesting God, thought okay. to me. Bryce Paul, Virginia, picks everybody. Okay, he's a cornerback. All right, all right, he addressed the cornerback spot. Um, we were traded with the Colts. The Colts would receive 85 and 146. And that KJ Hamill would be a trade, too. Mm-hmm. Thaddeus Moss, tight end from round three, LSU. Thaddeus Moss is a good tight end. I just don't think he should be an eagle. Eagles already have two really good tight ends. Uh, why do we need another tight end? Why do you need, why do you need another tight end? Devon Moss, safety, Clemson. Now the Eagles are focusing on a need that they have to have. Malcolm Jenkins is a free agent this year. He's going to still command top dollar. Not the Tanner not Muse. Not only that, but Rodney McLeod's a free agent too. Tanner Muse. LB Clemson. Considering Nigel Bradley's no longer an Eagle, you need the you need that linebacker core to be uh, fixed up immediately. I think those will be waiting Carter, for him. Alabama. Another need to me the Eagles have to address is the offensive line because of Jason Round Peters, five. and I think they kind of tip their hand in in considering re-upping Jason Peters. I think they tipped their hand in Andre Dillard. Is Dillard truly ready for the big time? It seems to me that their answer may be no. And I think that's a really, really bad statement if their answer is truly no. Um, let me see, let me find a uh, inside the Eagles mock draft, seven-round mock draft post-combine. Dan Prazak. Round one. Here we go. Fan-sided. This is a fan side. It's Henry Ruggs, the third. I, I think that's the best case scenario. I don't think Henry Ruggs is going to get the Eagles pick. But I think that's best case scenario for the Eagles is it's getting Henry Ruggs. You need a home run hitter as a receiver? He's cert- Ruggs is certainly that. I just don't think he gets 53, there. 53 would be Cameron, Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State cornerback. Need help in the cornerback spot. I think this will make a whole lot of sense because your your current, as, as I've said many a times on social media, the Eagles secondary not named Malcolm Jenkins is trash. I will stick by that statement until they improve. Curtis Weaver, defensive end. Why do we need another defensive end? Because I think some of your defensive ends are going to get paid soon. I get that. Vinny Curry, for example, who had a good year last year, I think he, he could be getting paid soon. Uh, you have other needs, though. I, so I agree with the premise of why would you draft one now. I agree with that premise, actually. The Eagles Anthony should not be drafting Jenkins. one. Jennings, mm-hmm. Alabama. I'm thinking here Eagles need to focus more on defense after getting Henry Ruggs. I hope that's the case. I think yeah, that's that good. is the case. I think that would be the move. Hawkins, California, safety. Helps probably replace Rodney McLeod. If I'm if I'm the Eagles, that's the route I go here. I would try to keep Malcolm Jenkins unless he kind of prices you out. If he asks for more than, than he had eight million last year, I don't want to go more north of I don't want to go more north of twelve. 
the problem is this is a really good safety market. So I think he's he's going to probably he might price himself out. That's going to be a problem. McKivitt, offensive lineman. I think this is necessary. The Eagles because Jason Peters is not getting any younger. Vitai is feast or famine. Uh, Andre Dillard, I don't think they think he's ready for that life. I think that's pretty alarming if he's not. The Eagles, I think, do need to make sure their offensive line is intact and in place, and they just need bodies. The Eagles just, the Eagles just need bod- healthy bodies to really help out Carson and company. And here's NBC Sports, Philadelphia. That'll, that'll make life easier for everybody. Henry Rocks. That makes sense. That's fine. Trade to 18 for um, the Draft Network. So they trade Miami. So they flip with Miami. CBS Sports has Henry Rocks. So they they have different NBC Sports has different draft outlets. So they trade with Miami to move up to eighteen. Okay. This is the draft networks. Mm-hmm. Christian Fulton. They take Christian Fulton from LSU. He's a cornerback. I think that that's a smart move. C.J. Yeah. Henderson, SB Nation. Now, obviously, they give up twenty-one, and they probably give up a second round, a second or third, or, or another a mid. A we don't trade in this one. Okay, in the in the yeah in the draft in the draft network one, they certainly do. Um, Walter Football, T. Higgins, we don't trade. Personally, that's the route I would go if I'm the Eagle. If I expect Henry Ruggs to be gone, so I I would imagine that. To me, T. Higgins, I think, would be the best-case scenario, unless they can get a corner, which I think Christian Fulton will probably be the, the best corner left. I like the Draft Network, honestly. They're the best draft. Oh, Draft Network's great. Draft Network is really good. So. Let's see who, who Marino has. You will say that. The Eagle... They actually have us trading up to 10 to take Isaiah Simmons. That would be a great deal. The problem is you might have to give up your first round pick next year. Um, so the terms, we'll, of the, deal, we'll, the terms of the deal, I'm just going to say. Cleveland would try 21, 53, 117, and a 2021 20, third. Ooh. So you're 1-2 and you're 3 and a 3 the following year. Ooh, that's a haul. I love Isaiah Simmons, but that is a haul. I love Isaiah Simmons. That's a haul. Ooh, that's, that's rough for that's that's a good haul for Cleveland. If I'm the Browns, I'd probably do it. I would do it. I would do it. If I'm the Browns, I'd do it. If I'm the Eagles, I'd probably do it because Isaiah Simmons, I think, could be an exceptional. Well, Isaiah player. Simmons is there. Yes. Yeah. I honestly don't think he gets out of New York. I think he's a I think he's a lion or a giant before this um in the in the draft. He either goes three to Detroit or four to the Giants. I think if Judy's there, I do I, this trade. Oh, if Judy gets the ten. If Judy gets the ten, I do this trade. I leap in front of the yeah, I'd leap in front of the Jets in that situation. And I, think I leap Judy's in front the of the Jets and do this trade. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I would I think so too. I, I would be willing to give up this whole for Jerry Judy. Yeah, I, I think that's because Alshon Jeffrey's not gonna be here. I think he's the best receiver in the draft. That makes sense. Looking at this hall, it's not that bad of a hall for a number one receiver. 
Agreed. That part I agree with. To get into the top ten, that's not bad of a haul. And we're not giving up a first rounder next year? Mm-hmm. It's getting to 12 a.m., so. Beast Mike plugs. <laughs> Twitter.com slash Beast Mike. I will be in D.C. tomorrow. Uh, doing more stuff with uh, with uh, with my new job, and uh, I will be doing it. I did the uh, Cavs uh, Jazz game on Monday, which was a nice touch. Kind of uh, running the boards for that, making sure the updates were up for people who have the app on their car, in their cars, and on their radios. So I, that was a fun time. I'll be doing another the game. I just don't know what. The Series XM app <laughs> is fantastic. Um, I'll be doing another game. Uh, I will probably update on which game i'm doing uh on twitter uh so if you have the serious app uh, i will be updating just so you'll find out what game i will be doing to keep track of i, I will tune in because i have the serious xm app right okay i got i've had to reset my phone so i gotta get it back locked in but um djd cooks on twitter so yep that's me. See you later next time. Listeners, me and Beast Mike will probably be talking for another 20 minutes because knowing us. Right, Beast Mike? That's kind of how it works.